0: Hey guys, this is Rick Godwin, pastor of Summit Church here in San Antonio. Thanks for joining us today. You know, we're excited to have you on our podcast. Our goal is to inspire you and to challenge you and help everyone realize their full potential in Christ. Now enjoy the message. In 1955, Montgomery, Alabama, a girl named Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat on a bus For a white man. That began the spark for the Civil Rights Movement. Little did she know. Later in life, the United States Congress honored her as the First Lady of Civil Rights and the mother of the Freedom Movement. An ordinary girl made a difference in the world and had no idea what her action would promote and lead to. Alexander Fleming, in 1928, was a guy, among others, who studied viruses. Do you call him a viralist, Bob? I think of a violin when I say that, but it's somebody who studies viruses. That's all. Well, he went on vacation, and when he came back, he accidentally discovered penicillin. Notice I said accidentally. Accidentally. Because he found in his lab mold growing on one of his petri dishes. And it had prevented the bacteria that was there from growing. Well, that led to improvement on it and the development of penicillin, which saved the lives of millions of people. A total accident. An ordinary guy just doing his ordinary job and bam. You have no idea what can happen in the ordinary. Now, I'm going to go from Rosa Parks and the civil rights. I'm going to go from Fleming and Penicillin to Rahab, a harlot. Now, that's a big leap, right? Come on, you know that's a big leap. A prostitute named Rahab. Joshua chapter 2. I'm going to read the whole chapter. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go, look over the land, spy it out, he said, specifically Jericho, So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. I mean, why wouldn't they? I'm playing with you, okay? The king of Jericho, church can be so boring. I I try to jack it up a little bit for you, okay. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out our whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, these men came to me, but I didn't know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, those men left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You might catch up with them. But she had secretly taken them up to the roof and hidden them under stalks of flax that she had laid out on her roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fjords of the Jordan River, and as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you, and that a great fear of you has fallen upon us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sihon and Og, those two giant kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and God on earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we're doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window because her house was part of the city wall. Now she said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers won't find you. Hide yourselves there for three days until they return, then go back on your way. The men said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and unless you have brought your father, mother, brothers, and sisters, and all in your family into your house. If anybody goes outside your house into the street, his blood will be on his own head. We will not be responsible. As for anyone who is in the house with you, his blood will be on our head, if a hand is laid on him, but if you tell what we are doing, we'll be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she said, let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. And when they left, they went into the hills and stayed there three days until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. Then the two men started back. They went down out of the hills, forded the river of Jordan, and came to Joshua and told him everything that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, the Lord has surely given us the whole land. All the people are melting away in fear because of us. Well, what does a Bible hero really look like? Well, I'm excited to start a new series. I'm just calling Ordinary Turned Extraordinary. And what we're going to be doing in this series is take a close look at some characters in the Bible that God used in an amazing way. And what we'll find out over and over again is that these individuals named and talked about in Scripture for all practical purposes are nobodies. They're not people we would expect to fit the bill as God's chosen servant. But as the saying goes, God does not choose the qualified. He qualifies the chosen. You choose God, He'll qualify you. You may be in a nasty place. You may have a bad past. But you choose Him, He will take charge of qualifying you. So we're going to hear some amazing stories in this series of how God took ordinary men, ordinary women like you and me and did some extraordinary and amazing things through them. These individuals ultimately became heroes in the story of God. And by the way, when God chooses people, He chooses the overlooked, He chooses the outcast, He chooses those in the back of the line, He chooses those nobody would choose. Why would He do that? Because then He gets all the glory. You can't boast in it. You were a nobody, a zero with the rim rubbed out. You just ordinary you. And God loves to do great things to manifest His strength in our weakness. So he chooses Rahab. <coughs> She'll be speaking at the next Bible conference. <laughs> Come see Rahab. See, he, you don't intimidate him with whatever's bad about you. You don't. I'm sorry, you ain't that bad. Not to God. God can take anything and make something out of it. So today, to kick off this series, I'm going to talk about Rahab, an individual I would consider to be one of the most unlikely heroes in the Bible. But before I get to her, I want to quickly share with you a story of another woman who has come to be known as quite a hero today in her own right. It's my guess that not many of you have er, ever heard the name Agnes Boyachu. Agnes Boachu. It wasn't a name intended for fame or glory. You know, movie stars have really crummy names and they change them. Brad Pitt. They change them so it sounds cool and not weird but we all get weird names so God doesn't care about that in the Bible so she's got a name that sure doesn't sound very famous This, this name belongs to an individual that the word humble had to be created for it just had to be now for many of us who live in a dog eat world where we do and where individuals become conditioned to be driven by me first mentality I think it'd be rather difficult to really understand what it means to be humble and have a disposition of humility rather than pride. But for old Agnes, it was just the opposite. Apart from humility, she didn't know anything else. It was at age 12, I think, she received her calling to her particular way of life, to serve rather than be served, to seek glory for God, not for herself, and to give more than she would ever receive. And so several years later, she left her home in Yugoslavia to go to Darajil, India, where she joined the Loreto sisters. That was the beginning of what would lead to a lifetime of selfless, humble service, not only to God, but to those she would come in contact with. She called them the poorest of the poor. Now that's poor. I don't know if you're poor today, but you ain't the poorest of the poor. I don't think she ever expected any of her efforts to love the unloved would impact millions of people around the world. Don't think she had a clue. I don't think that was in her plan, and I think it was beyond anything she could imagine or even think, just trying to help people maybe that she had immediate contact with in Calcutta. But the truth of the matter is, her compassion yielded a whole lot of fruit And love beyond the boundaries of her imagination. And the amazing thing about all of it is that none of it was ever for herself. Whatever she did, wherever she did it, it was always an extension of her total selfless disposition. She never sought praise or credit for anything that she did. But in the very humble manner that she was accustomed to, she tried to make herself as invisible to the world as possible. And here is the irony as much as she sought humility and was driven by selfless compassion, the more the world praised her for her good works. In fact, in 1979, you can see the picture, she was honored and the recipient of the Nobel Peace Prize. And even then, she didn't accept the honor in her own name, but rather in the name of the unwanted, the unloved, the uncared for. She said, I am only the pencil by which God is writing a love letter to his children. Such humbleness is hard not to recognize and honor. And by the way, nobody is mad when you honor people, when you help people, when you serve people. That's how Jesus started. I came to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. You want to get, in, you want to get noticed? Serve. I don't know why that became a bad word in our culture, but it's a big word in the kingdom of God. And all that she received, she deserved every bit of it. But the thing she never wanted was that fame or any glory. And I'm sure most of you have figured out who I'm talking about. Agnes Boatiu really is none other than the deeply loved and honored Mother Teresa from Calcutta, whose death in 1979, no, 1997, stirred the hearts of millions around the world news coverage of her death tributes poured in on all these famous people important people in the world giving tribute to her life of service and ministry they were huge all the major networks covered her funeral all of the newspapers headlined her unfortunate death and as for her funeral thousands were present and millions watched via satellite around the world a simple reflection of how many people's lives were touched by the efforts of such an ordinary, humble woman. And maybe like me or some of you here this morning, you know, now oh, there's no way I could ever be like Mother Teresa. Nobody ever said to me, you, you remind me a lot of Mother Teresa. No, <laughs> nobody ever said that. I'm not going to hold my breath till somebody does. I mean, she's one of a kind. You can't duplicate that. But What you have to understand is she's given so much to humanity that she may have been short physically, a little tiny thing. Spiritually, she was a giant, head and shoulders above any crowd. But you know, when you really think about it, Mother Teresa was not a person more gifted or endowed than anybody in this room or watching online. In fact, her colleagues from the Loretta Sisterhood described her as being average and ordinary. Well, there you go that leaves us all in the game, right? So what we need to know about Mother Teresa is that she was not great of herself. Rather, she was just a demonstration and testimony of how God can take something so plain and ordinary like you and me and turn them into the most extraordinary vessels you could ever imagine. You just never think that's in somebody because, and we don't think it's in us, because, well, I feel guilty, or I've got a shameful past, or I'm not living as well as I should, or know I should. God wouldn't choose me. God wouldn't use me, and I remember even after my college education, and business career, and then being uh, saved, and brought to know Christ, I kind of thought the same thing. I, I thought, you, you, I'd hear preachers preach all that. Well, you've got to do this and do this and do this. And if you're doing this, God won't use you. And if you're doing this, God won't. And then I read the Bible and I found out God used everybody that was doing everything. He just used everybody. Now, God, God wasn't sanctioning anything wrong. It's just that if he waited till everybody got right, he wouldn't use anybody. I hope you're getting this. I hope you're hearing it wherever you see yourself. So this is the repeated story of the Bible over and over again. And we see this particular script written on page after page. Ordinary Joe, ordinary Jane, used by God in extraordinary ways. And this is the case of Rahab that we read about in Scripture as I read a bit ago. In fact, Rahab's story is more amazing than Mother Teresa in the sense that, you know, she's not just ordinary turned extraordinary. She's implausible made plausible. She is an unlikely hero. And yet God chooses her for a great purpose beyond anything she could possibly have imagined. I mean, doesn't, didn't Paul write to the Galatians, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly above all you ask or think? He says, I don't know what you think. I don't know how big you ask. I can do way, way more than that with you. Now, I don't know what comes to your mind when you think about what a hero would be like in Bible days. But I'm sure Rahab would not possibly come to your mind Your mind. And I'm sure Rahab would never have imagined a hero could look like her. Rahab has got to be the most unlikely hero in the Bible who in her day and culture had so many strikes against her. She just didn't qualify as Bible hero material. Well, to us. First of all, she's a Canaanite. And the Bible in Joshua chapter 2 sets up the scene where the two spies are sent to Jericho. That's where they meet Rahab for the first time in the capital city of Canaan. This is her home, which makes her a Canaanite. She's not Jewish. And now this is important to note because for all practical purposes, from the perspective of the the Jewish people, uh, Rahab as a Canaanite would have been considered a foreigner and unclean she would have been seen as a pagan and an enemy of God. So that's strike number one. And I imagine there are people in here, God never use me. Or there are people preaching in pulpits that God won't use that race or that nationality. And you got a small God if you think that. See, But the second strike was Rahab was a woman. Now I know that observation is something you don't need Sherlock Holmes to point out. But women weren't considered important in those days. In fact, there's an old daily Jewish prayer that simply went like this. Thank God I wasn't born a woman. Now that attitude was prevalent in many of the ancient societies and cultures back then. And in fact, many women are still fighting for their rights in the Middle East in many of those societies today. We've seen demonstrations where the girls and women want to get rid of a mandated uh, hair covering, head covering, uh, where other women can't even drive a car or get a license. So you women in America ought to be happy. I mean, Jesus elevated womanhood right up to the top. If anybody ought to love Jesus, it ought to be women. You don't think so? Well, then you go find you the other gods in the Middle East, and I'll show you how low on the pole you are. So, Rahab was a woman, strike number two. Now, the third strike is the most obvious. I'm just waiting to see if you figured out what that one was. Yeah. It's right here in verse one of chapter two. Rahab was a prostitute, strike three. Now, let's assume for a moment that we're not bothered that God would work through a Canaanite. Obviously, not everybody could be an Israelite then, of course. And let's even imagine that in a chauvinistic culture Rahab lived in, God would actually work through a woman. By the way, there are many denominations in America that don't think God can work, teach, preach through a woman. Just stupid has no limit, but that's another (laughs) sermon. But the idea of God choosing a prostitute for kingdom-sized work, that's mind-blowing. That's amazing. But that's exactly what happened. God chose a woman, a Canaanite, prostitute, to save the lives of two of God's servants who were sent on a mission into enemy territory. And the Bible tells us that the lives of these two spies were in immediate danger. The king of Jericho had discovered Israel had sent them to spy out the land. And not only that, the king of Jericho was told where the two spies are staying at Rahab's house. It doesn't take a genius to figure out what the king of Jericho wanted to do at that point any more than if they were two spies sent into North Korea and our little chubby guy up there got a hold of them. one. He wanted to take those spies, capture them, torture them, and execute them. So he sends his men to Rahab's house with the message, hand them over. And Rahab's response, she hides them up on the roof And sends the king's men on a rabbit chase somewhere else. Now at this point you need to show something real clear about Rahab. She took a risk. She put her life in danger in order to save these two Hebrew spies. So this unlikely hero, this Canaanite pagan woman who is in fact less than ordinary was made extraordinary for God's purpose. You tell me who God can't use. It's not possible. Now, some additional details about Rahab. Some of this is circumstantial, but it could well be true as well. Let me pause and point out a couple of details, easy to overlook, that are absolutely important to the story. Here's a clue in several verses that we read that she's identified as the prostitute. Rahab, the prostitute. Now, it's very likely she's no longer in that profession. Clue number one is that the Bible says she hid the spies underneath stacks of flax, stalks of flax. I don't know if you know this or not, but gathering flax was a laborious task and tedious. Industrious women like Rahab would have to spend hours gathering these stalks to make cloth. So if Rahab was still a prostitute, chances are she wouldn't be gathering flax she simply would not have the time for that kind of respectable work. Now, by the way, that's circumstantial evidence. It doesn't mean she still wasn't in business or part-time. It doesn't say. And I'm, I'm glad it doesn't because it just leaves the door open who God can use. That's all. You got to quit bringing Old Testament into your New Testament morality and culture. It, 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 it wasn't it wasn't written to you, it was written for you, but it's written to these people who lived in a culture you and I would find despicable. Okay? So this is circumstantial. It might be true. The Bible says she had gathered enough flax to cover two grown men. So apparently she must have been in the cloth business as well for some time. So here's a clue. It tells us that she went through some transformation in her life. Although the people in Jericho might still refer to her as a prostitute because of her past, we can assume that her life had already significantly changed. I want to believe that her life had changed because of what she said about the God of Israel. And this is what came out of her own mouth in Joshua chapter 2. Listen to this. She said, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that great fear of you has fallen upon all of us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. When we heard of it, our hearts melted. For the Lord, your God, is God in heaven and God above and God on earth below. So the Bible reveals that Rahab knew the God of these two spies, the God of creation, the God of heaven above and the God of earth below. And there is this sense that regardless of theological technicalities, for all practical purpose in that culture, she's a believer. She's a believer. And she had put herself in a place where she could be used by God. Ordinary, pagan, prostitute, who would figure? So it didn't matter what her past was. And by the way, we don't care where you've been either. We care where you're going. And that's the same for God. God doesn't want to care about hearing about your past. It didn't matter what it was. It didn't matter what others still thought about her. It didn't matter that she wasn't Jewish. Somehow she knew and understood the power of God and then made a decision to surrender herself to that power. And in that moment, the less than ordinary became extraordinary. The unlikely became a hero for God and none of us would have picked her, nobody. So you need to know that Rahab's heroic act is actually celebrated multiple times in the New Testament. You look in the gospel of Matthew, she's mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus' birth. Then James refers to her, talking about what it means to have faith that works, that leads to some action. And then finally, in Hebrews chapter 11, they call it the faith hall of fame. It says of Rahab, by faith, The walls of Jericho fell after the people marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. So I don't know if you can fully grasp this, but to once have been a Canaanite, a prostitute, and a woman mentioned that many times in Hebrew scripture, even in the lineage of Jesus, will set your hair on fire. Duh. But here's the more amazing thing, if God can use somebody like Rahab, why can't he use you? Why can't he take the less than ordinary, the stained, the broken, the marginalized, the outcast, and do some extraordinary things with you? He can do the same thing with you and me. You just have to surrender your life to him. Jesus, take me. Whatever you wanna do through me, I'm open. Now, he's done it throughout the ages. He's done it through Agnes Boichu. He's done it through so many others throughout history. And I want you to consider today the possibility that in your own unique way, in your own unique situation, you too can become a hero and be used for something significant, some significant purpose in the kingdom of God. Perhaps it might not be as dramatic as lowering spies down the wall to their safety, and maybe not as significant as moving to Calcutta to work with the poorest of the poor but it could certainly be something as simple as being the pencil by which God writes his love letter to others. You could do that on the job. You can do that to a friend, a co-worker, somebody else that you have contact with. I believe God wants every one of us to be available to some extraordinary thing God might want to do through you. He may want you, remember I talked last week about a friend of a friend of a friend and how there are three levels of that influence. You could could turn the life around for one individual who's pretty ordinary and not have a clue in a generation who that person affected and the impact on the world that person had. You know, an ordinary burning bush in the desert, ain't much to look at. An ordinary bush on fire turned a great deliverer aside named Moses. To deliver a nation. Just so. I could be an ordinary bush. An ordinary scrub bush out in the desert. Not much. Just old thorny thing. Just burning. And God used that to get the attention of Moses. Who would then go on to deliver a nation. You just never know. That's what's so cool. I don't want anybody ever to come in this place and feel defeated, like God won't use me. Uh, I'm disqualified. I've got so much baggage. I've got so much sin. I've been involved in so many bad things. If He only knew. Oh, shut up. I already know anyway. I already know. God already knows. And like I said, He's just waiting for you to say, Jesus, I give you my life. Body, soul, and spirit, whatever you want to do with me. You know, I'm available. That's all it takes. I don't think that sounds too complicated, right? God's in the business of making and using heroes for the kingdom of God. And you don't have to be qualified to be called, but if you say yes to God's call, he'll qualify you and use you in ways you couldn't imagine before. So let's all be like Rahab or Agnes or others and simply make ourselves available for God to use us. He might only use you one time in a lifetime and it will change the course of history for somebody else. Maybe for one. How about, how about Esther? One time, this hot looking little girl is put into a harem of a pagan king. He doesn't know she happens to be of another race. He loves this girl. She flicks his switch and she's a, she, is, she would never be there if he knew who she really was. And that little girl Malachi said, Esther, you don't know just yet. You may have come to the kingdom for this moment. One moment. And in that one moment with a lot of evening in perfume and I'm sure I'm sure she decked herself out. Remember women had no rights, and so to be to live to have a good quality of life, you had to you had to have it going for you. You had to be hot in that culture. And I'm just saying, she says, well, I may die, but this is a pivotal moment in history that will save a nation from genocide. If I perish, I perish, I'm going into the king uninvited. And God used that little, little girl that just happened to be born cute to save a nation. And she, one moment in history, if you look over your whole lifetime, there's only a couple of times you might figure God intervened and used me for something for that moment. Are you available for that moment? Let's be that kind of a person so God can use us boldly, intentionally, and willingly, and most importantly, extraordinarily, amen? Hey, thanks again for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. Follow me by visiting the links in the description. I'm praying today that God richly blesses you this entire week.